Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Happy Monday, Dr. Paul. How are you? Very well, thank you. Ready and rearing to go. A new week, more crises. Well, we always thought there was some responsibility on our part to do our best to head off wars. Yeah, <laughs> We spent a few one. hours, a few days, a few speeches doing that during the first decade of this century. <clears throat> I don't think we stopped any, but uh, heck, that one that we tried to stop, <laughs> it was so bad that we had an anniversary after 10 years and we were stating the same thing. What are we going there if we don't mess? If we don't stop, we're going to be here another ten years. So yeah. after twenty years, they finally got uh, they got tired of it all. You know, it's Afghanistan. Just think that uh, uh, how how ridiculous that is. It you know what was it for? So right now, what I'd like to make sure is, uh, if, as if I had really the authority, is to advise to say that. Uh, we shouldn't be looking for a battle and a fight in Ukraine. Yeah. And that's what it looks like. There's so much trouble over there. And, uh, of course, Ukraine's been uh, in the headlines, uh, you know, for a while. We've always had our finger in the pot there. But we certainly got involved in uh, 2014. Yeah. And that was during the age of... <clears throat> All these positive revolutions and democracy breaking out and yeah. everything was going to be wonderful. So they, they, had, had, uh, they, they had an elected leader. And it was under these circumstances, of today's circumstances, it was about as authentic as you can get. Yeah. But there was one very bad mistake they made. The, the leader, uh, Yanukovych. Yanukovych, actually you know, had an open mind about Russia. And so he had to go, and we, we took care of that. We participated in a coup, and we made sure that uh, he was kicked out. And there's been more and more problems ever since, and we're still in the middle of this. Now it's getting hot and heavy. Mm. Troops lined up in each part. We have a lot of Russian troops there. We also have NATO people paying a lot of attention, but they think they can scare Russia, and they, that they can they say, well... If you don't, if you don't behave, we'll put more sanctions on you. <laughs> as if sanctions will scare off Putin, you know. So it's a hot spot. The markets have decided it's a hot spot. Maybe hotter it was on Friday as as it is at this moment. But it's still a hot spot, mainly because not so much that you, you know the the fear mongering is uh, Putin's ready to attack he's see all the equipment he's ready to march in which uh you, you know i i just don't believe that i believe it could come to that yeah but i don't believe that's his plan but his plan is to stand down uh you know nato and uh he he has his legitimate beefs for national security uh for his country dealing with nato see everything that Everything that Putin does is conspiratorial, aggressive, and nasty dictatorship. But anything the West does, anything that NATO does, oh, there, there's peace-loving individuals spreading democracy and doing their best to take care of the world. Well, there's a few people who know that isn't true, and we'd like to help uh, point out some of the problems that they're facing over there. You know, it's, it's come to a point where I think this is how superpowers die, and I think we're seeing it. You know, remember, after World War II, the great British Empire didn't realize at first that it was no longer a great nor an empire. Uh, it was a very slow process whereby it found out that 
It didn't have the power that it once had, and it thought. And I think we may be seeing this kind of moment now uh, with the U.S. and with NATO, but particularly the U.S. And I just want to do it, like back up just a little bit. And we're going to go back to 2014 in a bit. But at this current chapter, what we have is that the Russians delivered to the Americans a set of security guarantee requests. Here's what we would like to have so that we feel, this is an existential issue for us, so that we feel that we have our own security in our own country. A, promise us there won't be NATO expansion to Ukraine and that you won't be uh, stationing missiles and troops in Ukraine on our doorstep. Uh, the U.S. basically, it, well, the U.S., the Biden administration with its hubris simply ignored it. They sent back a letter saying, go fly a kite. We don't even care. You can't tell us what to do. We're the Americans. We'll do what we want. And in response to being brushed off, the Russians then started to call Biden's bluff. And we'll talk about a little bit more what they did. But they said, this is a serious issue. You won't take us seriously, but we are serious now. And they've taken some steps to demonstrate that they're serious. The response of the, the Americans and NATO has been to keep screaming about a Russian invasion of Kiev is imminent. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, Putin says, no, we don't have any interest in invading Ukraine and taking Kiev. Uh, even Ukrainian president said, no, they're not coming. They're not coming. The Americans insist they are because they keep pushing, not understanding uh, the legitimacy behind the request. And I just want to do a couple of quick clips before I turn it back, because this is where we are now. Ukraine is terrified. The Americans have said, we are not coming to your defense. And here's their president. He's invited Biden. Even as we uh, evacuate our embassy, he's inviting Biden, please come to Ukraine. You'll see it's not so bad. Please come over here. Uh, and his own ambassador to, to London. Let's do the next one really quick. Um, and this has been back and forth. Ukraine could drop NATO bid to avoid war, ambassador tells BBC. So the Ukrainians are looking around at how they've been encouraged to be aggressive toward Russia. They're feeling a little bit like Hungary in 1956, when the Americans, when RFERL said, go on, poke, you know, poke the Soviets, come on, go ahead, we got your back, we got your back. And then when they did it, we said, we have no idea what you're talking about. I think you just made the case for the individuals who are in charge of Russia and the individuals in charge of, of Ukraine. None of them have a stomach and a desire and a wish, and they can't wait until until they have this war going certainly the people that have to pick up the rifles and go to the trenches and will die over this they're not involved in this they never get to debate it but these people are but there are some uh, real mercenaries about that and they happen to make a lot of money off uh you know hot cold wars you know get the hotter the better scare the people and boy this past week there was a lot of that you know to 12 hours from now, they're going to invade, yeah. and the troops are on there. You know, every time they say that the Russians are building up their troops, well, uh, you know, uh, where? Oh, uh, it's just on the, on a border. It's in their country. And, of course, where's where's United States? Are, are we in our country, you know, defending our borders? We don't even do that. Yeah. You know, and our country deteriorates. At the same time, they're, uh, they're, they're over there defending this position where the troops are there, but they're in the Russian territory. And uh, but what I fear is that yes, I, I don't think that somebody is there 
and they're counting on 10, 9, 8, 7, and, and then there's going to be the, the invasion and things are going to roll. I don't think it's going to happen that way. But that doesn't mean I don't wor worry about this thing breaking out, uh, mainly because accidents happen. And sometimes accidents happen on purpose, and yeah. they're not accidents, they're false flags. And that that is so common in our history. And, uh, and the, same, the same thing, you know, we, we're spreading democracy, and that was the whole purpose of 2014. If you listen to their public garbage, oh, well, we're going to bring uh, freedom and democracy to Ukraine. Unless you listen to the diplomats, uh, uh, Newland and Jeffrey Pyatt, strategizing yeah. on how to get their guy in charge. I mean, it is so hypocritical. And uh, so they're no, and I still say they're not uh, calling up the troops. But what they don't realize is they're blinded to this. They yeah. figure, well, if, if that happens, we're on the right and they're on the wrong and we will face up to it. We'll call our troops out too. If somebody else's kids, you know. Yeah. I, I still like the best thing if, uh, of course, I was going to say anytime you vote for a war, you have to go fight it. But they don't even bother voting for a war yeah. anymore. <laughs> they just march. But uh, whoever directs them, they ought to be in the front lines. Yeah, they should. Well, you know, sitting around yesterday, getting ready to watch the Super Bowl, even though they're not my teams. Uh, but then I got an email from my, our old friend, Colonel McGregor. And I feel I can reveal this because he did go on Sky News and basically make the same points that he made to me earlier in an email. And we don't usually link to things, but I'll link to this interview in the, in the notes for, for today's show. But a couple of points that he made I think are worth, are worth viewing. And now we, we've, our position all along has been that Russia is not about to invade Kiev because the last thing it wants is to inherit this nightmare of Ukraine, which, is, which is, has corruption, which is the economy is a disaster and deeply, deeply divided. But... The colonel points out he, he believes that a Russian action may be inevitable because they've, and here's a couple of points that he's made. First of all, Russia has all of its forces in place. He says it has an integrated air defense system from the Gulf of Finland to the Black Sea. That means it can deny anything from, from those two spaces. It can strike at any target within Western Europe at present. They have been building up their troops. They have put measures in place in case of any inevitability. Um, he also made the point that the U.S. president said that the U.S. would not intervene. And he said that's because we are not in a position to fight a war in Eastern Europe. We don't have the troops. We don't have anything in place. And the Russians do right now. And the Europeans now realize this. He points out that Putin has called Biden's bluff. He says the U.S. cannot be drawn into a war in East Europe because they know now they cannot win. And apparently there are some military briefings going on to the Biden administration to demonstrate that, and that chilled the administration deeply. And the other point that McGregor makes, and he makes it in the interview, is the Europeans now must understand what Trump was trying to tell the Europeans for four years. The U.S. cannot be your first responder. We are incapable of being your first responder. You're going to have to deal with the situation yourself. And, and this is actually good news, he said at the end of this crisis, he expects NATO to start breaking up because the bluffs have been called. They've shown themselves to be a paper tiger, and there's not much at all they can do right now about Maybe it. Maybe we should have a burial ceremony when <laughs> NATO goes, and we will invite the deceased Robert Taft, yeah. who said, don't even think into it. Don't set it up. It'll lead to problems for us. Exactly. So, but, you know, the one thing that is not in the news right now, although it's in the financial news, and that's the price of oil. Yeah. The price of oil is going up, and uh, I keep thinking of a friend uh, I've had for a long time who 
20, 30 years ago said, oil will go to $100 a barrel <laughs> when it was $5. <laughs> it's pretty close to $100. But the, the oil thing, what, what we're doing here is, is really crazy. You know, we, uh, we have a president and a Congress that's willing to go along and just uh, shutter the oil. And even, a lot of that was uh, not all developed under perfect libertarian standards, yeah. but, they, but they have oil and we were producing and we were you know, temporarily self-sufficient, so to speak. And uh, this, this, uh, this now has all switched. We threaten, even though less so right now, about you know making sure that there will never be a pipeline from Russia to Germany. Yeah. So I, I think uh, 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 Germany, you know, sort of in the area of NATO and Eastern Europe, you know, and here Russia's over there, and uh, the argument goes by many, including myself. You know, if you trade with people, you're less likely to fight with people. And what we're doing, uh, even though they're not talked about it, that is a big issue. Yeah. And that's why the prediction of $100 barrel is just around the corner. And uh, probably as soon as it hits 100, somebody's going to predict at the rate we're going, it's going to be $200 yeah. a barrel. So this this uh, whole thing of, of sanctions, what they do, and economic intervention makes no sense whatsoever. Always backed up by a gun and a threat and confiscation of money and finances that we do now. We're still, after that 20-year war in Afghanistan, they're still fighting over the uh, finances that we <laughs> stole, stole you know, from, yeah. <laughs> from, 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 from Afghanistan. So that, uh, that exists, but it's very appealing to the patriotic zeal of uh, many Americans. Yeah. Well, you know, the... Um the the issue, I mean, you think you think Biden's unpopular now? Wait till we have two hundred dollar oil. <laughs> right, careful what you what you do. But let's put up this next clip because this just to show you this is this is the the Colonel on Sky News, and I will put a link. But you know, you you wrote in your column this week. We've talked about it a long time that everything here is traced back to the twenty fourteen coup, and that is a fact. We would not be having this issue if the U.S. government under Obama didn't think that, hey, let's go in and change their government and put someone in that we like. And we know that's a fact because we've seen them do it. And in fact, if we can put on that next clip in a minute here, we can actually see them in the street. Uh, yeah, go ahead. There we go. There's Victoria Newland. She was then the Assistant Secretary of State. She's now the Under Secretary of State. She got a promotion because she destroyed Ukraine. There's Jeffrey Pyatt right next to her. Here they are in the street offering food to the people who are attempting to overthrow their government. And think about this, Dr. Paul. Imagine that January 6th really was an insurrection here, rather than just a bunch of goofy guys in hats. It was a real insurrection, and senior, senior Russian officials were down there handing out food and egging them on to overthrow the government. <laughs> can you imagine what it would feel like? Uh, but that's exactly what happened, and we can imagine what the people who live there, who voted for the person that we helped kick out what they feel like. And here's the famous, uh, let's look at this next clip. Uh, this is the famous leaked recording that Victoria Newland had with Jeff Pyatt, the ambassador, where she says, blank the EU. And sure, here she is standing with the U.S. picked leaders who came to lead Ukraine after the U.S. coup. She literally named the new government. Forget about voting. And you wonder why. This is the hangover from interventionism. 
That's, that's right. And uh, now they're getting uh, reinforcements uh, and moral support. Hillary's back. Hillary's oh, yeah. back. <laughs> and uh, she did a great job in, uh, in, in, in uh, Africa, yeah. uh, Libya. Yeah. And, of course, she was, I think, still Secretary of State when yeah. this happened. So she really uh, was responsible. But uh, she she's, uh, looks like she wants to get back into action. But anyway, it, it is the principle that has prevailed, and it's not been a monopoly. Uh, you know, if you look strictly at United States foreign policy and the foreign policy of uh, Russia, and since the uh, Soviet system collapsed, which country is the most interventionist? Which country has been willing to get involved in internal affairs of other nations? This whole thing, you know, about the insurrection, these terrible things the Republicans are doing and Trump, my my goodness, just just think of what our government has done uh, when it comes to coups. Yeah. We, we should be the experts on coups. <laughs> but, you know, since it's a wicked thing to do, to believe that we own the world means that it's not going to work well. And that division that you talked about on a country, we it will fade when you were mentioning the fact that, uh, you, you know, the empire may be breaking apart. And yeah. I got to thinking, well, you know, uh, there was a great empire once called the Roman Empire, and it didn't fade uh, overnight it's split in two for yeah. a long time yeah. but uh, it lost its grandeur and uh but maybe things move faster now with all the technology and, and all the uh, uh you know electronics and all, all kinds of strategies for war maybe maybe things will move much much quicker and uh it's going to get murkier too because uh of course even even though we have no evidence that uh, COVID was a direct act of war. Uh, people are implying, you know, it was yeah. all China did this, China did this, and they never say what they're thinking. They're doing that to, uh, you, you know, just uh, d destroy any relationship with China that we can. Because some people who say that they don't like Russia, boy, they say, but we really hate China. And uh, that's not the way to peace and prosperity. You know, that's something we've been sort of striving for. Yeah. It looks like uh, we need to speak louder or more friendly or more <laughs> persuasive or, or what should we do? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. I don't know. But, you know, the response always is when we say this, oh, why are you taking Russia's side in this? Oh, look, <laughs> how dare you take their side? And, and I don't think we're going to really have progress until we find a way to convince people that we're taking America's side. Because why on earth would we expend untold billions or trillions of dollars, untold millions of lives, and as you wrote today, on depending how Ukraine's border looks, on what it should look like. It's changed over the years, as you've said. Uh, why is that worth our completely bankrupting ourselves and putting, making us vulnerable to a nuclear attack. No, it's pro-America to say this is not any of our business. And the colonel, uh, the point that he made in the interview is Putin's request wasn't that unreasonable. I don't want Ukraine in NATO because I don't want missiles that can hit Moscow in two minutes or what have you. And I don't want a bunch of missiles put on our border as we would feel the same way. So his point is that it would actually be pro-American. We would agree to just agree. That sounds like a reasonable deal. Okay, you got it. Now let's work toward improving relations, as Trump, to his credit, did for four years. What's so bad about getting along with Russia? That's how he got elected. And then, of course, he backtracked from it by hiring people that didn't you, agree with him. You know, we've had a lot of wars since uh, the revolution. And uh, we haven't been a nation of peace, but everybody's 
of course, for patriotic reasons and determination that all those wars were good wars. But some who are more objective about non-intervention said, you know, about the only war out of all those things we fought, and if you name big and little wars, there are dozens, if not hundreds, of skirmishes that we've been fighting. But this, but it was uh, considered by the non-interventionists of uh, that very res uh, res well respected said that the only war where the people actually ended up with more liberty was the Revolutionary War. So the, the, when you talk about what's, what's the benefit of this to the American people, well, look at history. It's never been a benefit. It's sort of like uh, people, people were compliant and the government wanted to help us and protect us against COVID and the Russians. So just go along because government's there to protect us, which is the fallacy because governments have been incapable of it. And they say, oh no, this is a big issue. So they, they will take care of us. And here, it, uh, what, what happened on, uh, on the, COVID, the COVID war? Uh, how much freedom has been lost and continues to be lost and spreading, and uh, we may get a chance to mention about yeah. how how is it do how is it doing in Canada <laughs> these days? Yeah. So the war the the war issue is so destructive to the innocent people who have to pay. It's sort of like the inflation thing. All the good reasons why you have to pay, print money and the philosophers in the college that says deficits don't matter, <laughs> just continue to do it. Then now. What do we have? The payment is due, and it comes across with uh, high prices for the middle class and the poor. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Canada. Let's put up, let's skip that next, we want to go to the next one we have Trudeau's face, just so we can have a look at uh, the esteemed Prime Minister of Canada. And this is big news. This happened today. Trudeau plans on invoking the Emergencies Act in response to protests. And this will give him broad, broad authority to basically go in and bust up these protests. And someone else, this is not my original idea, but I'm going to steal it. <laughs> they made the good point. We went from a small fringe minority to a national emergency pretty quickly <laughs> yeah. on this, didn't we? So his whole idea that this is a small group of Nazis who are trying to take over is kind of belied by the fact that they have taken over all of the border crossings virtually between the U.S. and Canada. And the whole country has been at a standstill for three weeks. So now what is he going to do? He may even pull in the military. That would be amazing. Talk about a Ceausescu moment. You know, the, um, the, whole, the whole issue there is the fact that the people go with good intentions and they're going to take care of us. And I wonder whether they have a name for that. I glanced at this one headline. It says the Emergency Powers Act. That's not nearly as fancy as the Patriot Act. Yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least we, uh, our politicians were more created and de deceptive, the Patriot Act. I had one member of Congress, I said, why are you voting against this? You don't even believe in this. He says, how can I go home <laughs> and tell my constituents, I voted against the Patriot Act in the middle of the 9-11 crisis. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, you ought, maybe you ought to assume that's part of your job, yeah. as I explained to him. But anyway, it's always done with, with good intention. All these things, this makes me ill when I, th I think of the people who died and have been, uh, you know, uh, crippled uh, from going over to the Middle East because there's been thousands. And every time 
they, anybody has an opportunity, especially the ones who have a sense of guilt. I want to thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you for your service because we needed you there to defend our Constitution, <laughs> fighting this unconstitutional war. What we want you to do is provide peace. Yeah, 20-year war in Afghanistan providing, uh, providing peace. So it, it's, a, it's based on a lot of lies, and there's just no reason for the American people shouldn't wake up and say, what are we doing over there? Matter of fact, some of the polls, nobody know even really, how many people really know uh, where Ukraine is? Yeah. And, it, and if you ask the question right now, it's very favorable. Do you think you should send your kids over to fight a war uh, in, in Ukraine? Uh, there's not that many Americans that are doing no, this, no. but it, yet the policy marches on. What we need are more truck convoys yeah, when yeah. they know what to <laughs> what to talk about and uh, to convoys for peace. That's what we need. I think what's great about the Canada thing is that there's no way Trudeau can win. He can only back down. And, and, and for that matter, why won't he back down? Why won't he just say, you know what, it's probably a good idea. Let's drop all the mandates because everywhere else they're dropping like flies. But he's steadfast. He's going to hold on. But they have the creativity on their side. They have momentum on their side. So basically, Trudeau is stuck playing whack-a-mole. He opened one bridge, and then another one closes. He opens here, then this gets shut. And they can go on forever. They have the support of the people, or a good portion of the people. So it's not a game he can win. Everybody but him probably knows that. The conservative, the opposition in Parliament, is now very strongly pushing him and urging him. And even his own party, people are starting to turn against him, saying, just Drop the mandates. What's the big deal? Why not back down? And when you look at the details of what kind of authority they have to use, uh, it's uh, with total violation of civil liberties and rights. And uh, they say, no, you're breaking the law, you know, when you're closing down a highway. And technically, probably true. Yeah. But why, why, in my mind, is that permissible? It's nonviolent, peaceful protest with the understanding that they are breaking a law, and if you're going to get a ticket, fine and dandy. But but this this whole thing uh, is based on the fact that people don't understand what the power of government does. And so often, as I think this through the best I can, on how you get better people to do the right thing, I don't think writing a new law is going to do it. You know, there's a lot of shortcomings in our Constitution. So people say, well, we should get a bunch of people together and rewrite the Constitution. Uh -huh. And uh, I used to think that, well, that sounds reasonable. Maybe we'll send some good people. But it's the people themselves that go to Washington. You know, if you had, if you had, uh, you, you know, a lot of individuals going to Washington, being involved, that were people of character, you, you really, we probably could survive with our Constitution. Yeah. And because we'd get rid of 80% of the government. Yeah. We would say, if it's not authorized, you're not allowed to do it. Yeah. And uh, yet nobody's coming to that point. But you know what's going to happen. We won't be able to afford it. That's yeah. when the split comes. That's when the split comes. And that's why they're, they've run out of wealth. And you have somebody getting it. And you have, uh, you, you know, the blues and the reds. And it's getting angrier and angrier. And if you take a guy like Trudeau and he brings in violence and yeah. starts killing people, believe me, it's, uh, it's going to be a very serious matter. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't get to that. Well, I think the last thing we want to cover is kind of how the COVID thread continues to unravel with some pretty amazing, amazing results. And let's look at this next one, if we can. If you, who, did you ever think, Dr. Paul, that you would see this headline in the Washington Post? 
Mask mandates didn't make much of a difference anyway. What we were saying all along, which you would get canceled, kicked off Twitter for saying masks don't work. It doesn't make a difference. Now the Washington Post is saying it. And I haven't shown you this before the show, Dr. Paul, but if I were you, I would just hold on to your seat because I'm put up that next clip, please. This is from the CDC. Things that you never would have seen weeks ago. This is a, a release from the t- CDC saying if you test positive for COVID and are at risk of becoming sick, Contact a health professional right away to determine if you may be eligible for treatment. Don't delay even if your symptoms are mild right now. Treatment must be started within the first few days to be effective. And here's a doctor on Twitter who's tweeting it. She says, funny, CDC never talked about early treatment until there was a big pharma solution two years in. All of a sudden, the CDC is talking about treatment, treatment. Sounds like surrendering. Yeah. They've surrendered to common sense and because before, for two years, they would build up this fear-mongering attitude, and they say, you need, you need a shot. Everybody has to have, you know, you know the COVID shot. Yeah. And then after that, it was, did you have your booster? Yeah. And, and now, you know, it's, uh, I, I think the evidence is pretty strong. <clears throat> that those individuals that have had more than one booster are much more prone to get uh, myocarditis mm. and, you know, serious complication. So, uh, and then, it, but, but still, the problem in here still exists. Where did the unions get so much power that they can destroy the kids they're supposed to be taken yeah. care of and deny the freedom to the kids? So, so uh, they, they've, uh, the, mayor, uh, the governor say, oh, no, technically we can't do anything. Uh, and it may be difficult, but you just have to get rid of the local people who are in charge. If you, yeah. can't, if you can't have your governor change his mind for uh, media, you've got to get to the school boards and you've got to change the rules and call attention to it because that's been working. But yeah. it's still, it still, still exists out there, and a lot of, a lot of people are just saying, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's so dangerous. But the, the unions have contributed a lot of harm. Uh, and I'm usually go out of my way to be sympathetic for the right of organiz- organizing and defending their position. Yeah. But when their position is so harmful uh, and breaking other laws of decency, uh, then I, I think uh, they, people have every right to stand up and, uh, and, and, and you take a position which is, uh, uh, you know, uh, civil disobedience and realizing uh, what kind of odds are that you might have to suffer. Yeah. Well, I have a couple more Pfizer headlines before we end because, again, it's unraveling. Let's look at the next one. This happened over the weekend. Um, Pfizer drops India vaccine application after regulator seeks local trial. The Indian said, okay, you want to sell, sell your vax here? We need to have a trial. We need to try and make sure it's okay, make sure it's safe. Pfizer says, no, never mind. <laughs> we'll go somewhere else. And that's interesting. And then here's the next one. This is big news. And that, that last one was, this is, a, this is a Reuters piece. This is from Axios. Pfizer postpones FDA request for COVID vaccine for kids under five. That is big news, bigger than people think, because this juggernaut was moving ahead at full steam, and now all of a sudden someone has hit the brakes big time. And here's a, a little bit of something digging into the article. Let's go to the next one if we can. And this is from Axios. Pfizer asked the FDA to authorize the vax for children six months to four years old er earlier this month. At the time, Pfizer said its vax would be available for kids in that age group as a two-dose regimen. 
However, data showed that two doses did not produce sufficient immune response in children aged two years old to four years old. Between the lines, this is Axios. The decision by regulators on the vaccine for children under five was highly awaited, but considered to be controversial due to ongoing questions about its effectiveness. You know, this is very good. It is sort of sort of sad it took so long because India has been better than some other countries because they have been abused so much by the internationalists, the uh, uh, Bill Gates crowd going over there. And his name is not a very popular popular name in in India. India. So no, this is is very good what's uh, happening. Uh, Truth is becoming known, but uh, it's it's not easy. and uh, because uh, those in charge find that truth is uh, unwelcome uh, in, in an authoritarian society because that's what we depend on. How can we keep the people, you know, uh, how can we take care of them and keep them calm and they're not fighting? We have to tell lies, the noble lie. Yep. It's our duty to re- <clears throat> just improve our ability to tell lies. Yeah. Well, I'm going to close, Dr. Paul, but I'm going to close with a video. And it's a video that was retweeted by Thomas Massey. So we get to enjoy a little bit of morning Massey. <laughs> um, let's, let's, I want to play, we don't have to play all the video. I said play it all, just play some of it because you can see what, this is from the Super Bowl, Dr. Paul. And this is uh, all of the celebrities that have come. Uh, this is someone recorded obviously from their TV. But just take a look at the celebrities going to this, going to the game here. Let's go ahead and start this thing. We're in Hollywood, who do we got here? We got Jay-Z, Matt Damon, Luis Theron is here, LeBron. It's basically so on and on it goes. So these are the people in the VIP sections. They've got their own high level. Not a single one of these people has a mask. Let's see the tweets so we can see Thomas Massey's excellent point. He said, unmask all the kids now. Never do it again. See, technically, this is illegal in L.A. for them to be gathering like this without their mask on. And here they are, all the fancy people, all the super wealthy people. They don't have a mask on, nowhere in sight. But all of the leader, Pelosi. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> she, she's the leader. Yeah. <laughs> One thing is, is they're not hypocrites. And, uh, <clears throat> oh, boy. <laughs> well, there, that, is, that is the big problem. Hypocrisy is the opposite of truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hypocrisy is, is a polite way of saying, I can say anything I want, anytime I want, and I have power and I can get away with it. Yeah. Well, until it gets so bad that the people rebel. And that's why neat things are happening. You yeah. know, in uh, in Canada and elsewhere, but uh, <clears throat> well, I, I do want to thank uh, our viewers once again for tuning in, because uh, I I really do believe that uh, things have changed for the better. Even though we keep putting pointing out some of the problems that we have, and they're going to exist, and they will exist for a long time, but it, it, there's at times. A point of surrender, and I made that one point where this, what they're doing now is almost like they are surrendering. They're throwing in the towel, and uh, the, the, they've decided politics, you know, numbers are out there. So there's a democratic vote out there, and it's called resistance, parading, convoys. And, uh, of course, the main thing that uh, we advocate is, is to resist without violence, because uh, they're the ones who have a lot more ability to convey violence, and, uh, and besides, it is the nonviolent approach that I believe is the best way to go. 
That is a rule that we try to follow very closely here at the Campaign for Liberty. We want you to tune in uh, to the campaign uh, to come in uh, to the Liberty Report uh, soon.